Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. All right, good evening, good evening, and welcome to the first annual Things We Dig Film Award nomination show. I'm your host for the evening, Stephen. Thank you, thank you. We got a great crowd here today, folks. Great crowd. Some of us in person, some of us on Zoom. Looks like we got Fig with us. Wait, I I can't tell if that's you, Fig, or am I am I seeing your landscaper looking through your window? <laughs> oh <laughs> man, there's a lot going on in the world today, though, right? A lot going on. But we always have movies in some form. But we do have a lot going on. We got the pandemic, of course. William Shatner is going to space. Yeah, give it up for him. But there's a fierce competition right now for commercial space travel. Something Fig is already calling some of the best Star Wars he's ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> but lots of good looking faces here tonight. And Alex. Oh. oh. Hello. How you doing, Alex? I was about to say the Espies are in July. That's a uh, Peyton Manning joke. Some say he looks like him. Must be the hair. Must be the tall hair. The, the, it's the forehead. <laughs> really long hair. Sorry for the late start, folks. We're still waiting on Dave to show up. We told him the start time, but I think he just jumped in the shower. <laughs> ah, here he comes now, looking fresh. Fresh out of the shower. <laughs> fresh and awake. That's a nice surprise. I'm not sure who falls asleep more, Dave watching a movie or Chris doing a podcast. <laughs> it's a long right, day at work, man. <laughs> well, in the words of Fig, all right, fellas. Let's get this show started. All right, so once again, welcome back. This is our first annual Things We Dig Film Award nomination show. Uh, Fig, do you know how we're going to decide the winner? We are going to give our nominations, and through our social media, we are going to come to you, the fans, to vote on who would be the winner of our nominations. Excellent. Good idea. So these picks aren't necessarily our individual picks, because obviously there would be some overlap, but they are kind of our picks as a whole for the group. But uh, let's get started. So Fig, let me ask you. What makes a good streaming service? Ooh, good question. To me, a good streaming service is a service that can provide a lot of entertainment for you. Things to make you want to, the next day at work, talk about with your coworkers or on the weekends, talk about with your friends, certain shows that you've seen um, that are released weekly. Uh, Netflix, Disney Plus, Amazon, you know, a lot others too have a lot of great shows. So yeah, anything to get you talking with your loved ones makes for a good streaming service. Good choice. Nice. Alrighty, so speaking of streaming services, that would be our first category for the night. My nomination for best streaming service, surprise, surprise, is going to be Disney Plus. Um, why I chose Disney Plus, I mean, they just been, they just had, I would say, the most shows that have just been critically like hit shows with all the Marvel shows. And the Star Wars shows, Mandalorian, Boba Fett. I just think Disney Plus is the streaming service I watch the most and the streaming service I just get most joy out of. So, yeah, Disney Plus will be mine. 
And uh, I'm going to pass the shovel on over to you, Alex. What is your nomination for best streaming service? Mine, I went with a newer one. I went with Paramount Plus. And my defense to that one is it's it's maybe doesn't have as many as all the other ones right now, but it's got some rock star lineup of shows coming out. South Park came out. Halo coming out. It's just going to get better and better. Paramount Plus. How about uh, Dave? What are you thinking, brother? I took it back in time. Before streaming to Netflix, the originators sending you the movies, sending you the DVDs. You kept them. They were yours. You paid for them. They always have great original content on there. And they also have a lot of uh, comedy as well, which I like about the platform. So I think Netflix is still around and it'll be around to stay. So that's my top streaming service that I selected. But on that note... Mr. Christopher, what do you what do you have to say about this? Uh, I'm gonna go with Amazon Prime, man. For the same reasons that Alex said, it doesn't have as much as the other ones, but they're and I kind of think they started off a little clunky and slow, to be honest. But now they're starting to have a lot of good shows out, like The Boys and uh, Invincible, and they got really good stuff coming, like The Lord of the Rings. So they're gonna be one of the contenders, I feel like. And of course, I'm gonna bring it in with uh, HBO Max. Right off the bat, they had probably the top film library compared to all these other services. And with this last year, love it or hate it, uh, day and date release, which is the same uh, day release date for streaming as it is for theatrical. And because of that, we were able to see some uh, pretty cool movies that we wouldn't have been able to see without that. Good point, bro. Hell yeah. Yeah. HBO Max is just rocks it, man. And to me, that's probably, besides Disney Plus, is like my main. HBO Max and Disney Plus are the ones I just heavily watch. So I enjoy all of these platforms and I subscribe to all of them. But HBO Max, I feel personally, is just on a whole other level for their past uh, production as well. All the new shows, HBO oh, yeah. programming, dude, has just always been upper echelon. They have a high standard. All right, but that brings us to our next category. But uh, before we introduce that, Alex, uh, what makes a good fight scene to you? Perfect fight scene, man. Choreography. It's got to be dope. Two dudes dancing or girls dancing in a violent dance, you could say. But I mean, of course, you want to see a little violence. You don't want to see one person really get fucked up too much. You want it to be kind of even, but you really want to see things that kind of give you that oh reaction. Um, I'd say that that ultimately constitutes a badass fight scene. Um, so that's why we're going to have to nominate uh, a winner for best fight scene of a 2021 movie. I'm going to start it right off the bat. This one, he was, this one, he wasn't, wasn't even human. Uh, King Kong versus Godzilla, that whole movie, they were battling it out. The one that comes to my mind is when they're on the aircraft carrier and uh, enough said. What about you, Steve? Good choice. Ironically, no choreography. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It was a, uh, it was there, kind of a. There might be. Yeah. There might be some. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, for me, speaking of HBO Max, they released uh, The Suicide Squad. Yeah, so I'd go with The Suicide Squad versus Starro the Conqueror. Uh, I chose this. Obviously, it's a lot of fun. It's brutal. Uh, and it's just uh, it's a long, pretty long fight. So that's my pick. Oh, yeah. It's super long. I didn't realize. Fig, what'd you choose? Myself, man. This is a one of those fights, Alex, you said you don't want to get anyone to get too, too hurt or too bloody. 
The one I picked went completely the opposite way. It was the last duel between Jean and Jacquez, which mm. is Matt Damon's character and Adam Driver's character. So uh, not, not to get too much into it, but Matt Damon's character uh, challenged Adam Driver's character to a last duel. And this movie set in, I guess, medieval times. So they're on horses. They're doing, you know, the lancing and then they eventually fall off and then just battle out to the death. And I have to say it was so gruesome, but done so just very, very well done. And at the end, you're left with like, holy shit, like people, they used to do this back in the day, you know, and I would say my favorite part of that movie was this fight scene. So it had to be my nomination for this year. That's a flesh wound. So, yeah, that would be mine. And uh, I'm going to pass the shovel on over to... My main man, Chris, what's your favorite fight scene nomination? Uh, mine was going to be Duncan Idaho versus the, I don't know how you really say it, Sadakar. They're super elite troops of the Harkonnens. This is uh, in Dune for those that are lost right now. A badass, brutal fight scene in a hallway, him against overwhelming odds. And of course, you know, you're hoping he's going to make it out, but shit goes south. Uh, amazing, amazingly well choreographed, like Alex was saying, and just the way that they did like the shields in that in that movie was was really cool. Added to a lot of the fight scenes, so I dug it. That's great fight scene. For my selection, I went with uh, fresh off of our Spider Man podcast, the Spider Man versus Green Goblin fight scene. Man, I just think, especially for 2021, I know it was on the tail end, but I can't get that fight scene out of my mind and just how crazy the effects were and also how crazy Willem Dafoe just looked during that fight. So that's what I went ahead and nominated. Ooh, very, very very solid selection, man. All right. Good choices. We'll see who uh, is left standing for the winner of that one. But to have a good fight, you got to have some good effects sometimes, especially in that Spider-Man and King Kong one. But uh, hey, Chris, which do you prefer? Do you prefer visual or practical effects? Uh, I mean, Really depends on the film, I guess. But overall, I would pick practical effects. I think uh, they really make a movie feel more real. And then if you can blend the digital effects in with that a little bit to complement it, it makes it even more amazing. I think we've seen a lot of that in recent, like, like Rogue One, a Star Wars story, for instance. I think that was one of the best blendings of practical and digital effects. So things like that where it doesn't distract you from the film and it just keeps it rolling and makes you more immersive. I think that uh, is what makes great effects. Nice answer. And on that, we are going to talk about our best effects picks, guys. So I'm going to go first and pick The Matrix. And this one didn't have a ton of practical effects, but I was just such a fan of the original trilogy. And I thought that the movie story wasn't that great, but the way that they did the visuals paid a great homage to the original. So I was stoked on that. Uh, What about you, Dave? What was yours? Well, for me, I kind of went in an opposite direction compared to a lot of the other movies in these categories. But I went with the movie Lamb. And I went with that because the lamb, the way the lamb looked on the human body with the lamb head, it made me want to take that lamb home with me and raise it, you know? (laughs) So I thought they were great effects. And that's why I selected the movie Lamb. He's pretty realistic. Yeah, you know? So, I mean, there wasn't anything too crazy other than that, but that's... Mm. That's why I selected it, but um, I'll go ahead and keep it moving down the line to Alex. What was your selection, man? That was a good selection. I haven't seen that movie yet. I really got to watch it. Um, I went and popped up in my head. I thought the Suicide Squad. I chose the Suicide Squad as best effects. Um, Again, it didn't necessarily have anything too crazy. Obviously, Starro, the huge fight at the end, giant starfish creature um, was really nuts. 
but I liked that the that whole idea with the flowers and and yeah, Harley dude. Quinn, you know, with the this the random artwork and stuff that appears. It's like almost unnecessary, but when you see it, you're like, this mm. is fucking pretty cool. Um, that's my choice, Suicide Squad. I was gonna say if you didn't bring up the Harley Quinn scene, I was about to be like, dude, right. that scene, let alone, mm-hmm. was amazing. Yeah, so that was cool. How about you? Christopher Figueroa, what would you pick? Thanks, Alex. Uh, Good selection for myself. Going kind of in the same sort of realm, I picked the movie, the Marvel movie, Shang-Chi. I thought that movie was beautiful, man. I mean, it it relied heavily on on CG and having that, that mystical... Uh, aspect to it but just just watching it I mean there's a lot of scenes with like ancient monsters and just some of the the fight scenes were really just well done you know you guys are talking about practical effects you know blending in practical effects with CG and when it's done well it just makes for a really good visually done movie and Shang-Chi just was so beautiful great movie great story backed by great effects um solid Solid movie, in my opinion. So, yeah, Shang-Chi for best effects. Couldn't agree with you more on that, bro. Then I'll pass it back on to you, Steve. I'm going to bring it up with the Spider-Man No Way Home uh, visual effects. Uh, there's a lot of practicals in here. I saw some behind the scenes with him swinging around. But uh, you'll be surprised a lot. The visuals, the obvious visual effects but uh just sometimes the simplest things like the the traffic or maybe some clouds in the sky are also visual effects and uh, i'm sure this movie just had layers upon layers of effects great movie give kudos to uh those people working in those those visual effects and just really bringing movies to life man i'm sure that's a ton of work so especially just taking taking that time to like the details we don't even realize that they're putting in there are so many things you could go back in and, and those people find visual effects things they, they didn't notice that are horrible and you're like I yeah see that all right that's uh those are valid points continuing with the visual effects let's roll into our next category which is going to be best animated movie uh but of all time not just 2021 dave do you have a favorite animated movie Hmm. That's really hard, but on the spot, as weird as it is, the first movie that jumped up into my brain was the movie Rockadoodle. I know we've mentioned it on the pod, and that's not even an all-time. The second one that popped up for whatever reason was Roger Rabbit, who framed Roger Rabbit. And both kind of similar animation styles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kind of human to animation, but who framed Roger Rabbit? Of course, I liked it because it was one of the first movies to kind of incorporate Disney and uh, WB, like Basically, the most popular tunes were in that Toontown. So I always thought that was cool as a child growing up. And that movie used to fucking freak me out as well. It was weird. Yeah. (laughs) So that leads us into, you guess it, best animated movie of 2021. And for this category, I went ahead with the selection of Space Jam. Surprise, surprise, another movie with real people and animated characters. (laughs) (laughs) Eating. Um, so as far as animated movies go in 2021, maybe not the best, I will admit, but just the nostalgia of the brand of Space Jam got me really excited and pumped for this movie, man. And overall, I still enjoyed it. I know people really like to shit on it, but you know, that was my selection. Yeah, Yeah. for what it was worth. That was my selection. But, um, what was, uh, your selection, Fig? What were you, what were you thinking for best animation? Thanks, Dave. So I'm going to go with a DC animated movie, Batman, the long Halloween part one and part two. Um, just 
a animated movie I'd, I was waiting for all year. They had announced it earlier in the year that they were going to take this beloved comic book story arc and make it into live action. And I thought it was really well done. I loved it. As you guys know, I love Batman. And I thought they adapted that comic book story into a live animation really well. I love the animation style of it. So I just overall thought it was a great animation movie. So that'd be my pick. So the Batman Long Halloween part one and two. Well, um, Fig, let me just say one thing really quick. I think <laughs> we all love Batman minus Chris. <laughs> hey man, can you I, watch I love Batman. I'm just not a fan. Uh, I'm not sure where you can stream it at now. I'm not sure if it's on HBO Max where most DC movies are at. At the time when I watched it, I just... Uh, I went old school, man. I went to Redbox and rented a Blu-ray. Oh, wow. Nice. Old but, uh, yeah. On that note, uh, what about you, AB? What is your favorite animated movie for 2021? 2021. This was a recent one that had been out. Everybody's talking about it. All the hype. Um, Encanto. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was late to the game because I just watched it less than a week ago. But uh, it's, it's fucking catchy, y'all. The song's... The song's got me. I'm not going to lag. And the story's pretty cool. So, Encanto. But, Chris, what would be your choice? Best animated movie? Uh, For me, man, I went with Ron's Gone Wrong. Just a fun family comedy movie uh, about a robot who's supposed to be like a cool AI assistant, but he malfunctions and his little student that has him has to actually teach him about the world. Pretty good, feel-good movie. Uh, cool animation. Definitely check it out. Okay. But, uh, what about you, Steve? What was yours? Mine was a toss-up between um, the Mitchells versus the Machines, but I actually went with Luca. Gotta stick with Pixar. Uh, the animation style on this one is just beautiful. The water looks so real. Uh, the story is real touching. Not not too deep, but um, really fun movie as well, and just uh, kind of heartwarming. But animation superb. Yeah, okay. you you nailed it. And and I'm sorry to throw a runner up in there, but you said Mitchells versus the Machines. I know I had man. to. None of us said that in that. that I was, was so surprised. Good, bro. It was a good movie. But Luca, uh, yeah. very good. Luca was beautiful. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. What I like about most of those animated movies, they always have some good music, especially those uh, Disney ones. But uh, that brings us to our next point. So, uh, Fig, do you have a favorite composer? I mean, surprise, surprise. He just turned 90 years old yesterday. My main man, John Williams, man. What? 98? 90. He turned oh, 90. Oh, shit. Sorry. <laughs> still. Give, still, the, still give, the man his, give the man his flowers. Come on. Yeah. He yeah. set the music to some of the best Star Wars ever made. Damn. Some yeah. of the best Star Wars. The That's man cool. took us to Neverland and back. I don't want to go. I, yeah, I wanted to stay. I didn't want to leave. To a galaxy far, far away. 90 years old. My dude is still in the game heavy. So yeah, John Williams, man, has to be my favorite. My man took us to Hogwarts. Kudos. (laughs) But uh, that leads me to my pick. My nomination for best soundtrack slash score. We talked about him in an earlier episode. We did a whole show on his special, Bo Burnham Inside. Dude, one of the best soundtracks, whether it's comedy or just you know, any typical movie, but Bo Burnham Inside was so well done. And that's why it's my pick for best soundtrack slash score. And I'm going to hand it over to you, Chris. What would be your nomination for this category? Um, For me, I'm definitely going to go with the Suicide Squad. 
It definitely, I, it didn't have maybe like the greatest soundtrack to some other people, but the way they used the music, it was a lot of rock, a lot of hip hop and the fight scenes and the action scenes uh, just went well with it. it was, I felt like they picked some tracks that you wouldn't normally see in like fight scenes or the things that they set it to and uh, just added to the quirkiness of the movie. So I really dug that. What about you, Al? Great points, man. Um, I love that. I love that we're showing a lot of love to the Suicide Squad here too. I had to choose and I thought... I thought it was amazing all around, but Dune, Hans Zimmer, was the scoring for composer for Dune. And if you just listen to the Dune soundtrack or score, it's just weird, man. It's got like that cinematic music in the background. I don't even want to call it music. It's just like sounds and noise that fit. And then the the war battle scenes that are almost Scottish, like bagpipes, but it's like futuristic almost. Um, it was It was pretty cool. That was my choice. Uh, what do you think, Steve? What was yours? Um, I'm going to go with the soundtrack, an original soundtrack, the movie In the Heights. If you guys know that one, it's a musical, but uh, it's just full of just fun, really uh, really kind of energetic songs. And I really tell the story with these songs and uh, really enjoyed that soundtrack. Yeah, In the Heights, uh, it was my wife Melissa's choice to pick the movie for the week. And I, I'll be honest, I totally did not want to go see that movie, but I went for her and I came out of it surprisingly really enjoying that movie a lot, man. The the story, the acting, the visuals, the dancing choreography, just really catchy music. And I was just like, wow, like, okay, I shouldn't uh, judge a book by its cover or a movie <laughs> by its poster. So yeah, In the Heights was really good film. Yeah, it was good, really vibrant and really cool. But uh. Bringing it up to the end, Dave, what do you got? So my selection, I ended up going with Spider-Man No Way Home uh, for the simple fact that it brought the nostalgia in from past Spider-Man movies. Um, Danny Elfman, you know, his classic uh, themes for the original Spider-Man. You would hear traces of that. And then also, you know, the amazing Spider-Man as well, James Horner. So just taking that into account, it just, you know, kind of hit me in the feels. And that's why I ended up going with that selection overall. Good choice. All right. Those are good picks for soundtrack. We'll see who uh, who wins that one. Um, but yeah, like I was saying, guys, there's a lot of things going on in the world today. And uh, what I like about that is the wide options of documentaries that we can watch. Uh, so Alex, do you have a favorite category of documentaries? Um, I would say the best category for me with documentaries, hands down travel, travel exploration. I think that's the most I can vicariously live through these people and do what they do. So, but if I want to say we nominate our best documentary for 2021, a man named Scott, a Kid Cudi story. So everybody's familiar with Kid Cudi um, in our in our youth and around, I don't even know shit, but we were young and dumb and how influential that music was. <laughs> <laughs> and Kid Cudi coming in and kind of tells a story, not just about him, but just everything and, and how just, you know, how cool that music was to us so that was my choice it was on amazon prime how about uh how about you steve what are you thinking man what was your best documentary of 2021 uh it's a long one but hands down it's got to be uh the beatles documentary get back um i know it's long but for me i didn't have any problems like just trudging through that and i enjoyed every minute of it just watching these guys just uh do their thing in a matter of you know two weeks creating an album and just uh they're fun man and you realize they're just a bunch of regular dudes just extremely talented yeah man i agree like you said bro it it's so simple but you, it, it it's it is long but it doesn't feel that way man it's it's, it's yeah 
if you're a Beatle fanatic, it is such a joy to watch. There, there are times where like I can tell other people might not be so into it because they might not know, you know, too much about the Beatles. But like you're saying, Steve, just seeing them do their thing, seeing George Harrison on the spot be like hey I, I wrote this a little bit last night and he the song i mean mine i was like holy shit like he wrote that in just like one day and it's one of the my favorite Beatles songs of all time so yeah dude great selection how about yours fig so for me uh, i'm gonna go in the same realm of i mean i know documentaries follow you know a lot of type of stories a lot of type of people i'm gonna go someone else who you know we might have seen a lot in our youth and that's the the documentary val which is based around the actor val kilmer i just thought it was really insightful to see i mean he started doing this over i want to say like the last 30 to 40 years he just always had had a film recorder with him and he was just filming his life and obviously in the late 80s early 90s mid 90s he was at the height of his success but that success got to him and you know he just kind of had a you know had to rethink you know the way he was living his life and he wasn't in a whole lot of movies um you know later on in his career and just kind of following him and him trying to find himself as a person and he just seems like a really genuine like good dude who just fell in love with acting and now is just trying to be a, a, as much of a normal person as he can be. So Val would be my selection for best documentary. I'm going to pass it on over to you, Dave. What do you got for your best documentary pick? Well, in 2021, for me, it's got to be uh, the documentary on Tiny Tim. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him at all or not. He used to play the ukulele and he sang that song tiptoe through the tulips. Sound hmm. familiar at all? Give us a give us a little jingle. I honestly, <laughs> I probably would know, but I'd have to hear it. I don't but. think I could do it justice, to be honest. Yeah, Freshman, I could. I'll have to go back. I could yeah. uh, screen share it. Tiptoe through the tulips. Oh, you guys know. Nah, I'd have to like. I've definitely heard it. Probably through the tulips with me. Tiptoe through the tulips with me. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He had I like know. a really high pitched voice, and he kind of sang funny. It was almost like it's not parody, but he was just kind of an act all in himself. You know what I mean? But uh, the man was a devout ukulele player, and even up until his death, I believe he did one more festival singing, and then he literally died. The man was an entertainer through and through, and if you haven't heard of him, it's a great documentary to go check, yeah, check out. It out. Last but not least is me. Uh, so I'm going to cheat a little bit. Mine came out in January of 2022, but it was before this pod. So it still counts. The Tinder Swindler, man. It was so crazy. I can't not bring it up. It was like um, Tiger King-esque. Just seeing the ridiculous way that some people live their lives and the decisions that they make. Me and my wife couldn't stop watching. It was the... Uh, very interesting, man. This guy just fools these women out of hundreds of thousands of dollars through dating apps and stuff. And it was uh, it was crazy to see how things play out. Like uh, the truth is stranger than fiction sometimes. Wow. So if you haven't watched it, do so. But no, you'll be screaming at your TV saying, what the fuck are you doing <laughs> making these decisions every five minutes? So. <laughs> Oh Tinder yeah, swindler, completely, completely. The mm -hmm. Tinder Swindler on uh, uh, Netflix. All right, so let's move on to our big categories now. So uh, cinematography, you know, that cinematography is the photography of motion picture, right? It's how the movie is filmed. It's the angles, it's the lenses, it's the camera movement. And uh, so that's going to be our next category, which is the best cinematography. And I'll start it off with my selection, which is the tragedy of Macbeth, Ooh. which uh, which is just phenomenal 
phenomenal. It is so visually just poetic. Uh, there's really sharp shadows and just uh, negative space. It's just, it's really theatrical, and I'm really uh, really impressed by it. Mm -hmm. So that's I that's my choice. I, I really wanted to see that, dude, just for those reasons as well. Yeah. Just how it looked, even in the trailer. Is it? Are they doing straight Shakespearean? Yeah. yeah so it's uh, it is Shakespeare. So I I was better off with subtitles after watching it on Apple TV. But oh, really? Dude, Denzel, I'm in. But just visually, it is amazing. So you guys should watch it just for that. Uh, what's your pick, Dave? So for my pick, I went ahead and selected once again the movie Lamb. I know I've I put it in multiple categories now, but for what I did see when I was in and out of consciousness, the movie was just beautiful, man. Um, do you guys know where they shot the film? I should have researched that before, but I know it was somewhere Europe? outside of the United States. Yeah, yeah like I yeah, I think it was Iceland. I think it's it just, just their looked, official selection. Yeah, it just looked beautiful. And you know, in the movie, it, it's focused around a, a couple who are, have struggled to have a child, and they're farmers. So it's just beautiful, luscious green land, you know, and uh, mountains and stuff very quiet during the entire movie so it just really puts you in that feel of being in that land and uh yeah just a beautiful movie so that's why i went ahead and selected that but i'll go ahead and throw it to you alex uh what did you go ahead and select for best cinematography oh man um this is probably one of my favorite categories and i think i probably took it took probably from somebody but dune for sure was what popped in my mind yeah, well done all over. I mean, I do love all his movies and the way he kind of shoots things. And again, with like dark colors and and shadows and and just lights. Um, I feel like he does a lot of, you know, fog in the air, something with light shining through. So kind of really glowing shots. But all in all, man, Dune had some out of this world cinematography that just really puts you on a different planet. So great job. What about you, Fig? Uh, thanks, Alex. So for me, man, I had to go with one of my favorite directors, Wes Anderson, and his movie French Dispatch. That movie is just so beautifully done, not only story and acting and storytelling, but visually. Wes Anderson always has this unique style to his movies. And, you know, same holds true for French Dispatch, man. He took a, a multiple of stories and conveyed them with black and white film and then also put it in color. And then as we and as we know, Wes Anderson likes to add some type of animation to his movies too as well. And this movie just just hit it, man. Visually, just watching it, you fall in love with each character and what they're saying because it just looks so beautiful. I honestly would say this is a masterpiece of a film. So French Dispatch for Wes Anderson for me. Oh yeah. Then uh, I'm gonna pass the torch on to the other Chris. Oh, thank you, sir. I'm gonna go with um, Nightmare Alley, the Guillermo, Guillermo mm. del Toro film. It was really well done. He said he used a lot of single source lighting in it, so tons of deep blacks and just the way that they did a lot of the camera angles too. Lots of shots with like people in multiple mirrors and things like that. Uh, just a lot of unique shots that I, I don't see very often. I thought it was a really well done movie. Guillermo del Toro is just, man, great director. Yeah. Top Any notch. Yeah. Anything with like, say, and I want to say it was like maybe like the 20s or 30s. 40s. Around, 40s around that time with a carnival scene always just looks so majestic. And like you're saying, Chris, the, the muted colors that Guillermo del Toro uses, just, oh man, beautiful. Another beautiful selection. Mm -hmm. All right. 2021, it, uh, it was return of the movies after Tenet failed to do in 2020. 
2020. Uh, there's some big movies to look forward to this last uh, this last year. So uh, how about we go to our next category, which is going to be the most hyped movie of the year. So uh, Chris, you want to start it off? Ooh, most hyped movie of the year? I think it would definitely have to be Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah, Everywhere you went, people were talking about this. Everyone was hyped about it. Marvel fans, not Marvel fans. And it was one of those few movies that has such an extreme hype and it actually lived up to the hype, maybe even surpassed it. So kudos hey, to them. On, on that note, I will say I heard somewhere recently that it's on pace to break Avatar's record yeah that's what i saw that's what i saw too which is crazy but yeah i can can see it doing it Mm -hmm. especially for this for the time we're living in right now i know the pandemic and people not really going out full and full force to theaters you know that's pretty wild Mm -hmm. until avatar 2 yeah oh yeah yep got a point got a point well what about you chris what did you think uh dude spider-man obviously one of the most hype movies of my lifetime no way home but (laughs) i am also a huge fan of the ghostbusters franchise we did a pod on it a couple weeks ago and i would say ghostbusters afterlife man i was really excited it looked just like a a fun film taking it back to the original classics from the 80s and overall man I, i really enjoyed the movie uh, not to give anything away for those who haven't seen it, but yeah, Ghostbusters Afterlife, I was greatly looking forward to, and that is my pick for most hyped movie. I'm going to I'm gonna send it to, to you, AB. How about you? What was your most hyped movie for 2021? Oh, man. My most hyped movie, you guys really nailed some good ones, but definitely for me was The Matrix Resurrections. Um, I've been waiting for a sequel for that movie for quite a long time, and we finally got it. Um, I don't know how many people were too happy about it, but I uh, I was hyped. I was super hyped for it. Um, How about you, Dave? Uh, I feel like my selection kind of lands within the same vein of like your your movie, Al. Because, but with Matrix, I was super excited and almost a little bit kind of let down. It still was good, but compared to the originals, you know, it was it was good. It was you know. So I selected No Time to Die, the new 007 movie. This movie was so hyped for myself, and this is kind of how I interpreted this category as well i was so excited because this movie was delayed and delayed and delayed and so that's why i nominated it for most hyped film it was supposed to come out i think right when the pandemic hit i think a couple a couple of years dude i think they pushed, they, it, back, they pushed like, it way back man which yeah. i don't know like i think it hurt it just overall, waiting personally yeah. that's just kind of how i feel but i'm gonna go ahead and throw it over to you steve what did you feel was most hyped overall just in 2021 for you mine's going back further than that this is years in the making uh, i'm talking about a, a movie that was shrouded in mystery did it exist did it not uh something that we thought would never Never come to fruition, but I'm talking Zack Snyder's Justice League. My yeah, man. Dude, that was definitely probably the most hyped. Dude. More so than even Spider-Man, at least on like the internet forums and shit. People were fucking. And when it fun. when it was revealed, because everybody wanted that. Yeah. And when dude, it was, it was revealed reveal. and the differences too, man, I must say, I was impressed. I like a whole it. new dude. movie. And I think if that had like a theatrical man, there's a lot of biased people, but I think that would do some big numbers as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised we haven't 
haven't seen more of that, more of like movies we wished we would have seen. And, and it was a long movie, but it was broken up into parts. So you could have paused it and said, okay, I'll come back like an episode if you really wanted to. I know we will all watch the whole thing. I know yeah. if, our list, if our listeners take a deep dive, I definitely fell asleep multiple times. But when <laughs> I did make it through the movie, I fucking loved that movie, man. It was a little bit of a long watch, but exactly to Al's point, if you break, if you break it up, especially in today's day and age with our schedules, like it's almost how we watch everything nowadays. The only downside of that movie is now every time someone like makes a mediocre movie or whatever, someone's like, well, just let release the fucking director's cut, bro. It's like, nah, man, it's just, it's just a bad True. one. Just let it yeah. go. <laughs> I know. <True. laughs> just like, just let it, let it die. All right. So we talked about some big movies that we were looking forward to, but uh, how about some movies that uh, kind of disappointed? So let's go the opposite and let's go to what we are calling uh, Fig. What is the, the name we're giving this, this title? We're going to give this worst movies of 2021. They're going to be called the steamies as in a steamy pile of shit. Nice. And uh, what is what is your steamy nomination, Fig? So my selection for the steamies would be Halloween Kills. This movie, you know, Halloween just, we all know is a franchise that's been around for years. I love the first one. I love a couple of the, the sequels that came afterwards, but... They did a soft reboot in the first one that came out a couple years ago. I thought it was really well done. And I was kind of hoping it would be the last. But of course, Michael Myers never dies. So <laughs> they came out with this one. And I just, it didn't land as well as the first reboot did. So I'd say it would be on my list for Steamy. So Halloween Kills is my selection. Fig, guess what? They're making another one. I know. I know. <laughs> They'll make Michael Myers movies, Halloween movies for the next 30 years, man. So, but on that note, what about you, EB? What is your Steamy choice for 2021? Um, Great movie choice, man. Jamie Lee Curtis is going to be in that movie till she di dies in real life for sure, I bet. Uh, <laughs> my best steamy award is the tomorrow war and i don't know if any of you saw this it was with chris pratt that very futuristic science fiction movie um i did not see it but only because multiple people whose opinions i trust said it was dog shit dude such a and hyped I, movie looked good visually but you watched it and you were like the f like really like can just i just say waffles. if you if you look at the artwork for the movie like before you click on it i have thought it was tom cruise every time it almost <laughs> looks like they've like used some type of like airbrushing uh, on chris oh, pratt bet, dude bro. it looks weird like i bet listeners people look it up we'll put it on our instagram out there for everybody who's listening. Where somebody just episode. looks and they're like are you sure you're not tom looking cruise. at edge of tomorrow Tomorrow, David? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. One of those very, like, love science fiction movies, love futuristic time travel movies. Yeah, it doesn't look like him. I don't know. That looks like fucking Kinda. Tom Cruise, no? I'd have to see it. Again, I, okay, maybe a, a slightly. But if you guys haven't seen it, it's just one of those ones where uh, the biggest one for me is here they are fighting this futuristic flying crazy aliens, and they give these dudes with no fighting skills at all. They give them machine guns. Like, hey, go fight this crazy alien with bullet, little bullets. Good luck. Well, like, isn't we it like nukes they send, they send themselves else. into like the, the future or the, the future, past yeah. or something? Yeah. The future. Uh, it gets kind of complicated, but it was a it was aliens a with uh, bullets and arrows. Yeah. You're talking Black Widow and Hawkeye. I hate oh! it. 
That's my point. The two most useless Avengers. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but that is my choice. Make, keep dragging it on a little longer. But how about uh, Mr. Steve Arino? I got actually I got HBO Max to watch uh, Justice League. But at the time that I got it, I want to say that this movie came out, and I told my my girlfriend at the time I was like, hey, maybe this will be a fun movie for us to watch. Let's check this out. And then afterwards, I told her, hey, I'm sorry, I made you watch that. But this movie's up there with the likes of uh, that Aladdin reboot and the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory with Johnny Depp. But I'm talking about the new Tom and Jerry. Oh, I heard yeah. that was bad. Yeah, I watched it with my family and it just was not funny. Like You would think, you know, Dave, you're speaking about like Roger Rabbit and how great of that movie was, you know, blending, you know, human world with cartoon world. But this movie just was, oh my goodness. Wasn't this Tom and Jerry had a quite a quite a nice little acting lineup like there was some pretty well-known people in this movie yeah there's a, there's a couple and it but it just was like nah uh it's pretty painful to watch though but uh yeah don't recommend that zero stars damn uh but chris how yeah. about you what do you got well um dave you picked this as one of your favorite movies earlier and i was a bit flabbergasted i have to throw out space jam new legacy man because <laughs> it was fucking horrendous dude i have no redeeming qualities for this movie man it was it was terrible it, Give it the steamy people. It had uh, it had potential to be better. It was very hype, dude. They they tugged on my my heartstrings as a young child. It could have could have been everything. I could be hyped right now right. for Space Jam Three. Uh, nope. So <laughs> makes, that's makes, that's my pick, guys. Yeah. If we would have watched it at the age we watched Space Jam, I wonder if we would have liked it more. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> no. Or, original Space Jam is is quality, even to this day. Quality. Hell yeah. Bill Murray was in it. That's why. LeBron was a little out past his prime and. With Space Jam as well, they the things that I thought was funny, people really hated on. I thought the callbacks to old movies that they had the rights to, like Austin Powers and throwing some Looney Tunes and whatever the other movies were. Yeah. I thought that was kind of I that, thought that was like kind of funny. The different worlds when it flew by, like Harry Potter world, you could see and stuff. But all right, guys, so we got the uh, the big four. Uh, next category is going to be best actress a little heads up with this category uh we didn't do a supporting and a leading we're just combining them grouping them together so david you want to start with this one i nominated zendaya in no way home as mj and she's kind of a different take on mj but i think she's awesome in those films man like you know she she comes across as somebody who especially in the first couple films you thought like was aloof and really didn't give a fuck about what was going on. But she is a little bit deeper than that, as you see in this new film. And that's why I went ahead and nominated her. But I am a fan of Euphoria. And if if listeners out there, if you haven't watched, the show can get intense. But Zendaya is amazing in that show. And that's where I'm going to leave that. But I'm going to go ahead and pass this shovel on to uh, Mr. Chris Figueroa and see what his pick was for this category. Great selection, Dave. For myself, for Best Actress, I'm going to go pick... Alana Haim for the movie Licorice Pizza. This movie, she just, she absolutely crushed the role. Uh, directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, who, you know, surprisingly directed a whole lot of uh, Haim music videos, which she's part of that band with her sisters. But she's, uh, I would say she's sharing the lead with uh, Cooper Hoffman, who's, you know, in that movie as well, played, he plays Gary. But just their chemistry, and her, I think she just took 
the charge of this role, being funny, being dramatic, being sort of having a temper uh, set in the 70s. I thought she kind of fit that that scene well. So yeah, so Alana Haim for best actress pick for myself. I'm gonna throw it over to, how about you, Steve? What is your selection? Good pick. Uh, my pick is, my selection is Kirsten Dunst from The Power of the Dog. Uh, it's kind of a subtle role and uh, not she doesn't do too much, but that being said, she does a lot. Uh, she really shows just like the, the emotion that she's going through, kind of being tormented by this uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's character. And uh, it's good to see her, especially in a movie with uh, her husband, Jesse Plemons. So uh, I thought she did great. Uh, Al, who'd you choose? Man, great choices, y'all. Um, it was tough. And I had to choose my choice for best actress was Jodie Comer. Um, she was in The Last Duel. Um, if anybody doesn't realize, she was the wife of Matt Damon's character. Um, but yeah, she did a very good job at being, you know, this very just, you know, reserved, respectful woman. But then she had that fierce side to her um, that, you know, it really, really did a great job. Oh, but what about you, Chris? What would be your uh, best actress? Uh, for me, I went a little bit different. I chose Jennifer Lawrence and Don't Look Up. Uh, it's, you know, it's a satire film, so the performances were a little bit different than, I guess, a normal film, you'd say. But I thought she played her part against, like, the craziness that's going on in the world and everyone's sticking their head in the sand really well. And uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So I picked her for my best performance. Also, hadn't seen her in anything in a long time. So it's cool to see her come back with something different than her old performances. Yeah. Yeah, she it, I mean, she almost played like herself, you know, like down to earth, just like losing her shit because everybody's idiots around her. And she's like, what the fuck? It was well done. Yeah, her banter with uh, Jonah Hill's character was so funny, man. Like just really well done. Yeah, those are all good choices. So I'm curious who the listeners are going to choose. So that brings us to our next one. But before we get to that, Alex, who's your favorite actor of all time? I would say best actor of all time might be William Defoe. Um, that's going to pop into my head. I, I, I just can see the range he's had and how peaceful and happy and, and heartwarming he, he can be. But at the same time, his face can show this. Like he can truly show the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, obviously, with um, uh, Green Goblin is a perfect example. But yeah, that would have to be my choice, which makes me think best category of 2021 best actor. Um, I'm going to go with my choice and I'm going to have to say Leonardo DiCaprio in Don't Look Up. Mm -hmm. And while that maybe wasn't his best role ever, the man's got range and he really shows it as this just older middle-aged man who's got a family and no one really respects him. And it's just like, he's, he's necessarily nobody. And it, he really kind of shows that in this movie. So it was really cool to see. Uh, what about you, Fig? Great selection, AB. For myself, I'm going to go with Will Smith, man. Big Willie style for his role in King Richard. Again, just another role that Will Smith absolutely just nailed. Playing the, the father of Venus and Serena Williams. Kind of a, I would say it's a biography pick on, you know, how he raised them from living in they lived in Compton which I didn't know a whole lot about their their story and the struggles they they faced living in Compton in the 90s trying to be tennis players and he just had a heart of gold he's a little bit strict 
in the movie, but he just was relentless on trying to make it not not just his two tennis player daughters, but all of his daughters be successful. And a lot of his daughters are super successful outside of the tennis world. And I thought Will Smith absolutely just captured that. I really uh, hope he wins for the actual Oscars for for this role. But King Richard Will Smith is my pick. And I'm gonna hand it off to you, Mr. Christopher. Uh, for me, I pick Andrew Garfield in Tick Tick Boom. It's a movie based on a musical tells the story of a composer who's around my age he's about to turn 30 and he's just trying to navigate like becoming successful in his career and love and friendships at the same time and i feel like he just did a really good job like conveying that and maybe it's due to the fact i could relate to it a lot being you know the same age and stuff in my life but uh ticked all the boxes for me it was an amazing performance so if you haven't seen the movie go check it out oh i really want to see that movie man um i remember hearing about it and i just spaced great actor man for sure yeah it's very cool to see him do that and then be in spider-man and see everyone like get back in his corner and have like the the garfield renaissance man i'm here for it mm-hmm. oh I, I said it in the or a couple pods ago he should have won for hacksaw ridge man i'm i'm always in andrew garfield's corner man just uh fyi fans still yes. the spider-man i really want to see him in never mind i was thinking it's the scorsese film but that's adam driver no that... oh, no he is in there my bad yeah S- silence yeah silence yes i was thinking yeah qui-gon adam driver and uh andrew well uh how about you steve what is your selection this year for best actor Ooh, mine's a uh, classically trained actor performing some uh classic uh literature but uh, i'm going with denzel washington and the tragedy of Macbeth. Uh, he's really performing in this movie. I mean, yeah, you got some movies, you know, acting, performing those roles, but this is like theater, you know, this is actually acting, right? So uh, really cool to see him deliver these monologues and soliloquies. So yeah, definitely uh, recommend you guys watching that movie. If you haven't seen it too. Really want to see it. Okay. Okay. What about you, Dave? I'm going to have to go out, go ahead and throw out my man, Benedict Cumberbatch. And the power of the dog. Has anybody seen that film? Yes. I have not. I want to. I would highly recommend it. I the like op- Western. The acting chops come through, especially with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. And I don't know why he was somebody who, over the years, I kind of wanted to be like, oh, he's not that good, but hmm. he's obviously an amazing actor. And this movie lives up to Bill, in does my he opinion. Have, does he have like a solid, like old timey Western? Because he is like American, British, right? American accent. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He has an American accent. Oh, okay. Involves a woman and her child. Yeah. That's been on Netflix, man. And I, I don't know why I haven't watched it. Dude, I would highly recommend it. I don't want to spoil it too much, but amazing acting. Well, what Steve said already kind of speaks piqued my curiosity when you said uh Benedict Cumberbatch tormenting Reese Witherspoon and I'm like oh Kirsten Dunst oh sorry yeah Kirsten Dunst (laughs) same person right my bad but yeah that's my nomination and I I recommend it if you haven't seen it it's on Netflix go ahead and peep it out right so a lot of good actors good performances but can't have a good performance not necessarily without a good director behind the camera uh Chris let me ask you if you can have let's see a living or dead uh, director retired or still in the business and he's back for one more movie who would it be i feel like i'm not gonna have a good answer i just want to say christopher nolan but he's still alive making good movies <laughs> yeah. so. <laughs> all right so you got another another big movie from him all right well uh, i feel like 
kind of a cop-out asshole, but Christopher Nolan, man. He's still alive, <laughs> still alive, making great movies, but I would say he's my favorite director of all time. So when I sit here and try to think of another director, I'd want to make an amazing movie. I, I'm drawing a blank, unfortunately. But then I tried to think of like, oh, Martin Scorsese, also still alive, making great films. So uh, the 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 heaters are still out there. <laughs> yeah, they're still you rocking know? it. If they could just yeah. drop one right now that no one even knew was coming, that'd be amazing. That'd oh, be down man, please. So either one of those guys would be my choice. And uh, along that lines, let's talk about our favorite uh, directors of the year. I think mine's going to come as no surprise as Denny Villeneuve. Denny Villeneuve. Denny Villeneuve. He did Dune. It's my favorite film of the year. It's fucking amazing. The cinematography, the action, story, everything was great except for the fact that they only did half the book. So the <laughs> other half. Come on. Yep. Yeah. Need it. What about uh, you, Alex? What was your favorite director of the year? Um, my runner-up, because that probably would have been my choice um, for best director um would be ridley scott in the last duel i'm really kind of holding on to that movie but uh again ridley scott mm -hmm. outstanding director in so many different venues and avenues and here he is like hey i'm gonna do this uh french crusades timepiece uh movie that just really really showed a lot of great a lot of great movie uh scenes acting visuals i think a lot of people didn't realize ben affleck was in that movie um maybe they did but and uh yeah great great director overall how about um david what are you thinking man so the selection i went <clears throat> i kind of came late into the game in this category and i saw your guys's uh selections or your nominations and i ended up going with uh jason reitman who was the director of the new ghostbusters film and i feel like he hit a lot of marks i know we did an episode already on ghostbusters so we kind of talked about it but i feel like he did hit a lot of marks with tying the old franchise to this film and you can knock it where you want to knock it for sure but i think overall i enjoyed the experience of the film and i did enjoy the closure as well with egon almost you know so that's why I went ahead and nominated him because you guys kind of went with other people as well that I would have nominated. So yeah, that's why I ended up making my selection. But I will go ahead and ask you, Steve. Okay. Why did you end up making your selection in this category? Well, my selection is Jane Campion, and she directed Power of the Dog. Uh, this is her first feature film, uh, feature length film in like 12 years. And just to come back and to adapt this uh, little short novel by Thomas Savage into this movie and what it became, uh, I think it just, uh, she did a fantastic job and really cool to just kind of pop up on the scene again like that. So I got to go with Jane Campion. Nice. I got to see that movie. Okay. Yeah. Nice. All right, Fig. Uh, Last but not least, who, who do you have? So I'm going to, we mentioned this movie earlier, but I'm going to go with Guillermo del Toro for Nightmare Alley, man. I just thought that was such a really well done movie. I'm just a big fan of Guillermo del Toro and how he can take a story, just add, add his own spin on it, making things a little bit darker, muted colors, a little bit creepy aspect to it. Just always been a fan of his. So that would be my selection would be 
Guillermo del Toro for Nightmare Alley. Can't go wrong with Guillermo. <laughs> One thing I, I thought randomly is that I, I was lucky enough to get to listen to Guillermo del Toro speak at UNLV. And he mentioned, somebody asked him about everything in the background, like everything you see in my room. And he was like, is that random? And he was like, everything you see is placed for a reason, like random shit. It, like you would think is nothing. And he's like, no, that there it's all meant to be there so now i really want to go back and wa and watch nightmare alley and, and really kind of look at that detail because he really is all about that detail yeah and, and that movie just had a lot like you're saying just a lot of set design to it really intricate stuff that like you're saying just detail he's you know his vision is in the details and stuff mm -hmm. so yeah i'll be curious to see what i can find to uh on a second watch of that movie mm -hmm. all right fellas that brings us to our to the big one best picture bring out the oh. big guns yeah <laughs> who who wants to uh start it off all right guys so best movie of the year i think it's gonna come as no surprise i've put it up for a couple categories already but dune man mm. it was just a great film really stayed amazingly true to the books uh and yeah cinematography the way the sound effects were used the fight scenes uh, everything about it man i was a huge fan i was hyped for it i think i i might hype it up a little bit too much for people but go, <laughs> go out watch it enjoy it vote for it for best film because you know <laughs> it was when you talk about as far as relatability to the book yes i concur sometimes they really fuck that up and they they're doing a great job yeah hopefully they continue it through number two Mm -hmm. So uh, what about you, Chris Fig? What was your movie of the year? My movie of the year, uh, I've talked about it quite a bit on the pod, uh, recent pods and this pod. I'm going to go with Licorice Pizza, directed by Paul Thomas Anderson as best movie of the year. I just thought it was, again, just really well done. The two lead characters, great chemistry, the, the vision, the aesthetic of it being in the 70s, the soundtrack, uh, just the story, how it wasn't a very linear type of narrative story. I enjoy movies like that when it's done well, and this movie did it well. So Licorice Pizza, man. Solid film. If you haven't seen it, definitely go check it out. Then going to turn it over to you, AB. What was your <laughs> best picture movie for 2021? Best picture movie for 2021. Um, man, so many, so many tough ones. And I was kind of put on a spot because I didn't really know. I'm going to switch it up a little bit here. I thought Encanto is my choice for best movie. Okay. Um, I don't think it necessarily fits Alex's choice, but you guys kind of picked the ones I wanted to choose. Encanto is a good movie, though. Encanto is a good movie. Um, and I think it gets better with time. It ages well. So it's just all around fun time, good message, good morals. Watch it with the whole family. And mm. that was my choice. So how about um, Steve? What you thinking, my dude? Well, I brought it up a few times recently, but I'm going with the power of the dog. <laughs> uh, this movie hits on all in all categories, man. It's beautiful. It's wide, mm -hmm. uh, wide open. Uh, great performances, and I like kind of like these slow, kind of slow paced uh, westerns like uh, True Grit or uh, Dances with Wolves. And uh, yeah. this is one that kind of has a fantastic ending that you don't really see coming. So highly recommend it, and definitely probably the best of the year. Cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, who do we got, Dave? Final nomination. Dave, who do you got? All right, guys. So once again, 
great nominations across the board. I kind of went with when you come to award shows, maybe this might not make the cut in the end, but I had to go with Spider-Man No Way Home only for the fact that I was super hyped to see this movie and it exceeded expectations that I did have. And it met what I expected was going to come through today's leaks, which we all have grown accustomed to. Some of them might not come true come through but or come true but some of them do and uh i think they did a really good job man i mean we've all visited this movie through a, a separate episode and i think we are all in agreement that maybe they should keep a little bit more under wraps when it comes to previews or trailers for the film but all around i thought it was a great film i know there was a whole world's worth of cinema in 2021 but it was at the ass end of the year and so i think that's why it's on my mind and that's why i nominated spider-man no way home mm-hmm. good choice all good choices gentlemen all right so that's a wrap on our first annual things we dig podcast film award nomination show so uh thanks for listening and stay tuned for the winners and drive home safe thanks for stopping by you're all winners in my heart yes sir great great pod everybody and to that note later days my friends